section thirteen of historic waterways six hundred miles of canoeing down the rock fox and wisconsin rivers by reuben goldthwaites this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. historic waterways six hundred miles of canoeing down the rock fox and wisconsin rivers by reuben goldthwaites section thirteen third letter the muscoutons oshkosh wisconsin june nine eighteen eighty seven my dear w as we passed out of berlin this morning a government dredger was at work by the riverside we paused on our paddles for some time to watch the workings of this ingenious mechanism there was something demonic in the action of the monster as it craned its jointed neck amid a quick chorus of jerky puffs from the engine and an accompaniment of rattling chains reaching far out over the bubbling water it would open its great iron jaws with a savage clank and pausing a moment to gather its energies dive swiftly into the roily depth after swaying to and fro as if struggling with its prey it soon reappeared bearing in its filthy maw a ton or two of blue-black ooze the water escaping through its teeth in a score of hissing torrents then turning aside to the heap of dredge trash suddenly vomited forth the foul-smelling mess and returned for another charge it was a singularly fascinating sight though woefully uncanny from berlin down to omro pleasant prairie slopes come down at intervals to the water's edge on the south bank the feature of the north side being wide expanses of bog the home of the cranberry for which this region is famous the best marshes however are the pockets back among the ridges from these great drainage ditches with flooding gates come furrowing through the peat in dark lines as straight as an arrow and empty into the river it was somewhere about here near berlin that amro but exactly where no man now knoweth that the ancient indian nation of the muscoutons was located over two centuries ago their neighbors if not their village comrades being the miamis and the kickapoos champlain the intrepid founder of quebec had heard of their warring dispositions as early as sixteen fifteen in sixteen thirty four jean nicolet the first white man known to have set foot upon territory now included in the state of wisconsin came in a bark canoe as far up the fox river as the muscoutons and after stopping a time with them journeyed southward to the country of the illinois alouez and his companions also came hither in sixteen seventy and the good father in the official report of his adventurous canoeing trip says the fort of these people was located a french league two point four english miles over beautiful prairies to the south of the river joliet and marquette on their way to discover the mississippi river arrived at the fort of the muscoutons on june seventh sixteen seventy three and the latter gives this graceful sketch of the oak openings hereabouts which have not meanwhile perceptibly changed their characteristics i felt no little pleasure in beholding the position of this town the view is beautiful and very picturesque for from the eminence on which it is perched the eye discovers on every side prairies spreading away beyond its reach interspersed with thickets or groves of lofty trees the muscoutons are now a lost tribe 
as a result of warring habits they in turn were crowded to the wall and a generation after marquette's visit the banks of their river knew them no more the foxes from whom the stream ultimately took its name were then predominant and long continued the masters of the highway sacramento as dead as a doornail sir lies sprawled out over a pleasant riverside slope to the south there is the customary air of fallen grandeur at sacramento big hopes gone to decay battlement fronts houseless cellars a universal lack of paint the railroads the real highways of our present civilization have killed these little river towns that are away from the track and they will never be resurrected the day of inland water navigation except for canoeists is nearing its close settlement clings to the neighborhood of the rails and generally avoids rivers as an obstruction to free transit the towns that have to be reached by a country ferry are rotting they are off the line of progress sacramento boasts a spouting well by the river bank a mammoth village ash leach and fond memories of the day when it was a bigger town than berlin as we stood in the spray of the fountain filling our canteen with the purest and coldest of water i speculated upon the strong probability of sacramento being on the identical bank where the jesuits beached their canoes to walk across country to the old indian village and the doctor apt to be irreverent to aboriginal lore suggested that the defunct sacramento should have written over its gate this motto gone to join the muscoutins eureka a few miles farther down is also paintless and her river front is artistic with the crumbling ruins of two or three long deserted sawmills a new eureka appears however to be slowly building up to one side of the dead little hamlet for there are smart stream flowering mill and a model little cheese factory in full swing here the cheese man an accommodating young fellow who appeared quite up to the times and is a direct shipper to the london market took a just pride in showing us over his establishment and stocked our mess box with samples of his best brands amro spreads over a sandy plain upon both sides of the river an excellent wagon bridge crossing the stream near that of the chicago milwaukee and st paul railway omro which is the headquarters of the wisconsin spiritualists who have quite a settlement hereabouts is growing somewhat after a long period of stagnation having at present a population of fifteen hundred the ellen hardy which had now caught up with us after chasing the canoe from berlin down went through the draw in our company as the crew rolled off a small consignment of freight the captain a raw-boned red-faced and thoroughly good-humored man leaned out of the pilot-house window and pleasantly chaffed us about our lowly conveyance the conversation ended by his offering to give us a lift through the great winnikin widespread to the point where the wolf joins the fox nine or ten miles below the ellen was bound for winnikon and other points up the wolf so could help us no farther of course we accepted the kindly offer and fastening our painter to the belaying pin of the ellen's port scrambled up to the freight deck just as the pilot bell rang forward in the smoky little engine-room far aft while i went aloft to enjoy the bird's-eye view obtainable from the pilot-house the doctor discussed fishing with the engineer whom he found on closer acquaintance to be a rare though much begrimed philosopher this engineer is a wizened-up little man with a face like a prematurely dried apple 
but his eyes gleam with a kindly light, and he is an inveterate angler. We had noticed him at every stopping stage, his head, shoulders, and arms reaching out of the abbreviated rear window of his caboose, dangling a line astern. The doctor learned that this was his invariable habit. He kept the cook's galley in fish, and utilized each leisure half-hour in the pursuit of his favorite amusement. The engineer, a good man, had fished, he said, in nearly every known sea, and the doctor declared that he could many a wondrous fish-tale unfold. In fact, the doctor declared him to be the most interesting character he had ever met outside of a hospital, and said he should surely report to his favorite medical journal this remarkable case of abnormal persistency in an art amid the most discouraging physical surroundings. He thought the man's brain should be dissected in the cause of science. The wolf, which has its rise 150 miles nor-nor-west of Green Bay, in a forest county lakelet, and takes generous south-trending curves away down to Lake Poygon, is properly the noble stream which pours into Lake Winnebago from the northwest, and then, with a mighty rush, forces its way northeastward to the Great Lakes. Along the base of the watershed, which parallels the western coast of Lake Michigan, and terminates in the sands of the Sturgeon Bay country. The Jesuit fathers, in seeking the Mississippi, traced this river above Lake Winnebago, and on reaching the great widespread at the head of the Grand Butte des Moors, where the tributary flowing from the southwest empties its lazy flood into the rushing fox, pursued that tributary to the portage, and erroneously called their highway by one name, from Green Bay to the Cary. Thus the long, unexplored main river above the junction came to be treated on the maps as a tributary, and to be dubbed the wolf. This geographical mistake has been so long persisted in that correction becomes impracticable, and we must continue to style the branch the trunk. This has been a delightful day. The heavens were clear and blue, and a gentle northeaster fanned our faces in the pilot house, from which vantage point, nearly thirty feet above the river level, there was obtainable a bird's-eye view well worthy of canvas the wild rice bog through which the fox here not over thirty yards wide twists like a snapper of a whip is from ten to fifteen miles wide a sea of living green across which the breeze sends a regular succession of waves losing themselves upon the far distant shores upon the northwestern horizon the wolf comes stealing down at the base of a range of wooded hills to the west a flashing line tells where lake poygan holds her mirror to the sun. The tall smokestacks of the Winnicon sawmills occupy the middle ground westward. To the east, in the center of the picture, one catches glimpses of the consolidated stream, as its goodly flood quickly glides southeasterly on a short spurt toward the Grand Butte des Moors, at the head of which is the old fur-trading village of the same name. Far southeastward, below the lake, there is just discernible the great brick chimney of a mammoth planing mill, an Algama landmark, and just behind that, the black with the remains of watch-tower, from which the traders obtained long advance notice of the approach of travelers, red or white, are still standing. As we sped by, I pointed out to the doctor the location of these venerable relics, which I had with proper enthusiasm carefully inspected fully a dozen summers before, and he suggested that the knowledge of the approach of a possible customer 
by means of the tower, gave the traders an excellent opportunity to mark up the goods. James Polier's son and successor, Louis B. Polier, now an aged man, is the present occupant of the establishment, which is one of the oldest landmarks in Wisconsin, and there also died the famous Augustin Grignon, historian of his clan. Butte de More, in the early days of the Northwest, was something more than a trading post. Situated near the union of the Upper Fox and the Wolf, it was the rallying point for both valleys, long before Appleton, Ninah, Menasha, or Oshkosh were known, or any of the towns on the Upper Fox. It was the only white man's stopping place between the Portage and Kakauna. The mail trail between Green Bay and the Portage crossed here. For strange to say, the great south-stretching widespread, which lies like a map before the village, was in those days firm enough for a horse to traverse with safety. While today a boat can be pushed anywhere between the rushes and rice, and it is par excellence the great breeding ground of this section for muskrats and waterfowl, a scow ferry was maintained in pioneer times for the benefit of the mail carrier and other travelers. Butte de More is mentioned in most of the journals left us by travelers over the Fox Wisconsin watercourse previous to 1835, and here several important Indian treaties were consummated by government commissioners. It is somewhat over fifteen miles from the mouth of the Wolf to Oshkosh. The run down the lake seemed unusually protracted, for the city was clearly in sight the entire way, and the distance over the flat expanse was deceptive. Algama, now a portion of Oshkosh, was something of a settlement long before the lower town began to grow, but the latter finally overtook and swallowed the original hamlet. Algama is now chiefly devoted to the homes of the employees in the great planing and sawmilling establishments of Philita Sawyer, Wisconsin's senior United States Senator, and the wealthy Payne brothers. The residences of these lumber kings are on a slope to the north of the Iron Wagon Bridge, under which we swept as the booming whistles of the busy locality, in unison with a noisy chorus of steam gongs farther down the river, sounded the hour of six. Through the gauntlet of the mills with their outlying rafts, their lines of piling, and their great yards of newly sawn lumber, we sped quickly on. A half hour later, we were turning up into a peaceful little dock alongside the south approach to the St. Paul Railway Bridge, the canoe's quarters for the night. The sun was just plunging below the clear-cut prairie horizon as we walked across the fields to the home of our expectant friends. End of section 13. Recording by Linda Fredericks, Modesto, California, April 2012.